Hey Pioneers, welcome to episode number 265. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about how you can have fresh garden produce vegetables all throughout the fall and into the winter months without having to preserve them from the summer garden, though we definitely still want to be preserving all of the wonderful warm weather crops that we have going in the summer garden. But specifically, today we are talking about fall gardening. While it's been a goal of ours and every single year for the past decade, we have made it our goal to increase beyond what we did the previous year on what we are raising and preserving ourselves here on the homestead. So both with livestock as well as our produce, which would be our vegetables and fruit. This year, I would say society as a whole than ever before, at least in the past 50 years, are more focused on growing as much of their own food as possible in light of everything that has happened with the pandemic and COVID-19, really globally, but especially here in the States and in Canada. Now, when we first started gardening, I was raised, we just planted a summer vegetable garden. So all of the crops got planted at the same time for here where I'm at in my growing zone. That is about mid to end of May. And then our first frost would come anywhere from about mid to end of September, sometimes October on a lucky year where we're having an extended warm summer. But that was it. You just put in all of the vegetable garden at one time. You had all your harvest during those summer months. And that was it. And so you had to preserve and put up anything that you weren't consuming while it was fresh, any of the excess and purposely plant extra. So you had excess to preserve to take you through the winter months if you didn't want to have to rely on the stores. So for the first, oh my goodness, my husband and I have been married going on 20 plus years now. We'll be celebrating 21 years in September. The first years of our marriage, we always had a vegetable garden and I raised enough green beans to can and preserve and take us through the whole year. But that was really the only thing that we were raising an entire year's worth of and preserving. And it was just with a regular summer annual vegetable garden. Well, as I got deeper into this rabbit hole of providing for ourselves and becoming more self-sufficient, there were a few gardeners that I would notice were planting things very early. They would be planting them in April which was two months ahead of what our regular planting time was. And I'm like, how or what are they able to plant this early? At that time, I didn't even really realize the difference between warm weather crops and cool weather crops. And you may be in that same boat. If you're brand new to gardening, you're like, I really don't know what the difference is. So in a nutshell, your warm weather crops will not grow or survive any type of frost cold temperatures. In fact, for a lot of your warm weather crops like beans and tomatoes and peppers, if the overnight low temperatures get below 55 degrees Fahrenheit, they won't be killed until you get a frost, which is 32 degrees, but they go into hibernation and it stresses them out and they really don't produce anything. So what you think of in a typical summer garden tomatoes, peppers, green beans, all of your winter squash, all of your summer squash, all of those corn are going to be wiped out and killed by a frost. So those are our warm weather crops. But there are a lot of cool weather crops that you can plant when the soil and the overnight lows are lower and they will tolerate some frost. So you can plant them earlier in the spring and get a much earlier harvest. 
And then you can also do a fall planting, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So it's important to note, you need to know what your first average frost date is in the fall. So when you normally would get a frost coming and every year that's going to vary by a little bit, but that is what revolve everything on your, when you're going to be planting revolves around that date for a fall garden. And even though we call it a fall garden, that's because we will begin harvesting in the fall and into the early winter months. But the planting, this is the mistake a lot of people make or don't realize. The planting, my friend, happens in the summertime. So you need to know what your first average frost date is, and then you're going to be counting backwards. Now, the good news is right now is prime time to just begin planning and planting some of your fall crops. When you have a first average frost date that hits mid to end of September, you're going to be doing most of your beginning of your planting of your things in July. Now, if your first average frost date doesn't happen until October or maybe even November, you will be doing some of the crops will be more in August. Now, there's only one, there's a couple exceptions to this. There's a couple of fall crops, and I'm going to get to them at the end of this episode. So don't, don't miss that part that you actually will plant right at your first average frost date. But the majority of our cool weather crops, we will be planting much sooner. Now, if you want to get a list of all of these, because I know when you're listening to a podcast episode, you're like, oh, I need to have these exact weeks on these crops because they're the ones that I want to plant. Don't worry. I've got you covered. You can go to the written blog post that accompanies this episode at melissaknorris.com forward slash 265. MelissaKNorris.com forward slash 265 because this is episode number 265. But we are going to be looking at those cool weather crops. So the ones that need to be started the furthest out. Now, if you have a copy of my book, The Family Garden Plan, the seed starting chart, which we will use for starting seeds indoors in winter or spring, but you also will use it for your fall planting. And that full chart, you have all the info you need there. It begins on page 97 if you have a copy of that. If not, don't worry. I'm going to have a list for you on that blog post. So I got you covered. And we'll verbally go through some of them. So the ones that have the date the furthest out. So you're going to find your first average frost date and count your weeks back. And that's going to let you know this is when you need to begin planting these. So your broccoli and your cauliflower, those are about 12 weeks. They need to be direct started from seed before your first average frost date. Now, if you've missed that or you don't have those seeds, if you can find them at a garden center, then you can also get the start. So if someone has already started them from seeds, you're going to be grabbing those as starts. And so you can go that route too. But around that 12 week mark is broccoli, cauliflower, parsnips, and peas. You want to have about 12, 10 weeks is pushing it, but between that 12 and 10 week part for direct sowing. Direct sowing is when we're taking the seed and we're plopping it in the dirt right from seed, no starts where we want it to be growing. Now, then we come into the rest of our brassicas. So we're going to be looking at cabbage and kale. Those you have about six to eight weeks before the first fall. So you have a little bit more time. Spinach is another one, as well as radish and cool weather lettuce. And your chard, that kind of falls in with the broccoli and the cauliflower. We're going to want to look to about that 10 to 12 week mark. Now. When we have some of our roots, for example, with our carrots and our beets, 
Those you want to get in the ground direct sown about eight weeks before your first frost. You have a little bit more leeway when it comes to your radishes. Those, especially if you're getting something like the French breakfast radish, which is a really fast growing radish, those you can sometimes do like six weeks out because those actually in prime conditions, 21 days to harvest. So if you're, you know, six to four weeks before that first average frost state, you can do some of those faster growing radishes. Now, where you can sometimes run into trouble with the fall garden, and this is definitely what has happened to me in past years. So definitely have some learning mistakes here, but they're cool weather crops and we're planting them in the heat of summer. Can I get an amen there? So some people, you have two options. Well, you actually have three options and let's walk through them. If you don't have super hot summers here in the Pacific Northwest, I don't always have super hot summers. Oftentimes I can get away with direct sowing those cooler weather crops and they will grow and germinate and I'll be just fine because we're really planting them at the heat of most climates summertime. But a lot of times people will choose to sow them indoors and start them indoors because indoors is cooler and you can control the soil temperature much easier indoors with those small amounts. And so you'll just do your seed starting indoors. But just like with spring seed starting, once they are established and growing, you do need to harden them off to the warmer temps outside where you're going to be planting them. So don't skip that step when it comes time to transplant them outdoors. So that's Kind of, you have one option, just direct sow them if your climate's not super hot to seed start them indoors. And then this is your other option. And this is where you can use permaculture design. And we did this last year and it worked very well and I'm implementing it again this year. So that's where you've got your taller crops. So think corn, think pole beans, um, peas, anything that you have up on a trellis that casts shade. That is where the soil will be cooler. And you can plant and direct sow these cool weather crops. You're, it's a microclimate, a little mini microclimate and micro zone there that you've created in the garden. And I did this last year with my chard and I actually grew chard all summer long. It never went to bolt and I planted it at the base of my bean teepees. So with the way that the bean teepees were situated in the garden and the sun was coming up, the Swiss chard would get some early morning sun, which we know is not as hot. It's the more mild temperatures. And then by the mid afternoon, when it was really hot out and the sun was directly overhead, that switch chart was shaded by the beans on the bean teepee. And so it grew wonderfully. So this year I'm getting ready to direct. sow my fall planting crops and I have my beans and my tomatoes and my cucumbers on arch trellises. And so I will be planting a lot of these fall crops mid-July and July, but they will be underneath the trellis, the shaded portion, so that they'll be cool and they can get germinated. And then when fall comes, then I'll be pulling those summer crops out. And then the fall sunshine is usually much cooler than the summer. And so then they will get that fall sunshine that they need. So you've got kind of some options there. You can also get transplants if you're not starting them from seed and same principles. But you want to make sure that you do it early enough. So there were in past years where I didn't realize things needed to be put in the ground so early for fall gardening. And I didn't get my carrots sowed from seed. I always direct sow carrot seed. I don't try to start root crops indoors because typically they don't like their roots to be messed with. So I just do them out in the garden. And I didn't get them planted. It was about the second week of August and it just wasn't long enough for them because even though these plants will grow with cool weather temps, 
So those frosts, usually most of them are hardy to about 28 degrees Fahrenheit, give or take. But if they're not their established size or well-established, when those cool fall temps begin to roll in and those frosts begin to roll in and the days get shorter, they just go into hibernation. So last year when I planted my carrots, by the time we had our first frost, which was the first part of October, it was a little bit later for us last year, the carrots were just the roots were just small and tiny. They weren't big enough to harvest yet at all. They had some, a couple inches of green growth on top, probably about three to four inches of green growth on top. But when you would go to pull them, they had like three inches of like this little tiny spindly, smaller than a pencil carrot as the root. So when we started to get those frosts, it didn't kill them, but it put them into hibernation mode. So they weren't big enough for me to harvest. Now I left them in the ground because there was no point in pulling them. And then next spring, Carrots are, will send up seed like a biennial. So very similar to your onions. The next year, the roots had been in the ground. So the following spring, they started growing really early because they don't mind cooler temps in the spring, but they sent up a bunch of flowers. So this is great for seed saving. So I have a lot of carrot seed that I was able to seed save. But by the time they hit that second year's growth, they're putting all of their energy into producing flowers and not roots. So the roots really were never big enough to do anything with, but I did have lush, beautiful carrot blossoms that ladybugs love. So next week, we're going to be talking about ways to naturally treat your garden for both pests and disease. And one of those is having plants that good predatory pests like which ladybugs are. Ladybugs eat aphids. So I didn't have any aphid problems because I had all of these carrot blossoms, which the ladybugs adored. But I didn't have a carrot harvest from those carrots. So that's why we need to make sure that we get them in the ground and they're of an established size by the time those frosts hit. And then when some of the carrots I had sown earlier, I was just able to mulch them with straw and keep them in the ground. So I was literally harvesting carrots. I harvested the last of them in January when we had snow and I just kind of dug around the snow and dug down in there. And so if they're of the appropriate size, then I didn't have to do any preserving of them. I could just go out and have fresh carrots in my soil all through the winter. Now, if you have super hard freezes, if you're really, really northern, we go between, we'll have times where the temps are like down in the teens and we'll get some snow, but then it usually lasts for a week or two. It'll melt, we'll warm up to like around 30 degrees or so, um, just above snowing. It'll just be that really cold, wet rain, and then we'll get another cold comes in. But if you live in somewhere where you get hard freezes and your soil completely freezes and you can't dig anything up, then I realize that won't work. But for a lot of the country, this will work depending upon your winter. Otherwise you can dig, you'll have to dig them up and use some root cellaring techniques, but they have to be of established size. So this is the same thing for like your broccoli um, and your kale. They need to be of large enough size and the kale, you can just harvest the leaves. I don't do anything to the kale and I harvest kale clear all the way through February, usually sometimes March, no joke without doing anything to it. But if your broccoli and cauliflower aren't started soon enough, same thing with the cabbage, they just won't develop a head or it will be super, super tiny and they won't they won't develop anything. So that's why the timing is really critical and you need to count backwards on those first average frost dates in the fall for those fall crops. Now, a couple other notes because they are cooler weather crops. So we're putting in, like I said, in the height of summer, keep an eye on the weather. And when you see that you may have some clouds coming in, maybe some rain or some cooler temps, start watering the ground so that it stays moist because moist soil 
stays cooler than dry soil, right? So start that a few days before you think you're going to be planting and try and time it around a cool stretch in the winter or weather, or at least a couple of cloudy days. And then you're going to want to make sure that you keep it well watered beforehand when you plant and for a few days after, just like any type of new plant that we're planting with these fall crops, we need to make sure that they have adequate water. And especially if you're direct sowing seeds, because we're direct sowing usually in the middle of summer, if you're direct sowing carrots and beets and radishes, and if carrot seeds especially dry out during that germination phase, then they won't sprout. So make sure that you keep that soil really, really damp. And if you can do it, like I said, on even the backside of corn or some taller tight plants in the garden, anything that's wet and in shade is not going to dry out as fast, obviously, as something that's in direct sun. So that can also help with the water issues. So being able to go out to the garden and harvest my carrots and Brussels sprouts and kale and broccoli and cauliflower without... <laughs> without having to preserve it is so nice because my freezers and everything else is full. If I don't get to berries or tomatoes, etc., during the summer months with the fall with preserving so that we've got food that's shelf stable and ready and those crops that won't make it through cold temperatures. So it almost feels like a cheat or like a really special treat to have these fall crops that I don't really have to do a ton of preserving work with as far as like canning or fermenting or dehydrating. So I highly recommend that you try your hand at fall crops. Now, I promise at the end that there are a few crops that you can actually plant right at your first frost date. And here's the thing with those. It's going to be your garlic and potatoes. But just like we saw in springtime, if you plan on planting garlic, you definitely want to get certified seed garlic because it's certified to be free of disease. You do not want to be introducing any type of disease into your soil, which is a big risk that you run if you plant garlic cloves from the grocery store. I have personal friends of mine who had done that for a number of years. And then they planted some from the store that had disease. And what happens is that disease stays present and will affect anything in the alum family. So anything in the garlic, the onion, shallots, leeks, etc. family for up to seven years. So they couldn't plant anything in that spot of soil for seven years that was in that family. So get yourself some certified seed garlic. It's also why we do certified seed potatoes, etc. because they're certified to be free of viruses. But get your orders in now. And in today's, um, as I said, at mosquitoes.com forward slash 265, where I have that list of all the vegetables in the weeks for you. I'll also have listed there where I got my organic seed garlic this year. I've been seed saving my own red and chilium garlic, but I wanted to try some new flavors this year and increase the amount of garlic we were putting in. So I ordered some extra. So garlic and potatoes, you can plant right at your first average frost date. For me, that's about the first, first to second week of October. But you will not be harvesting those foods until the following year. So garlic is about nine months. You'll be harvesting about mid-July when you plant in October. And with the seed potatoes, you, and I have not done this yet. I have always done spring planting and summer planting of potatoes, but I may try it this year. But when you plant them in the fall, then as soon as conditions are right in the early, early spring, they begin to grow. And so what you plant in the fall on the potatoes will be your early spring potato harvest. So you're just getting a jump start basically. Um, and so then you don't have to do anything in the early spring. Nature will just take its course and provide you with those foods. Now, 
You may be wondering, well, how much should I plant for my family size of these different items of the garlic and the potatoes and then all of these awesome fall vegetable crops? So as I said earlier, I should just say this podcast episode is sponsored by my book, The Family Garden Plan, Grow a Year's Worth of Sustainable and Healthy Food. If you have that book, you have all of these charts, tells you exactly how much to plant per person for a year's worth and helps you calculate out how much that's going to be based on your family. But you can also grab the free worksheet at familygardenplan.com that tells you how much to plant per person. I'll also have it linked in the blog post. Now for our verse of the week, I actually had shared in my email, and if you listen to it, few episodes back of the podcast where I was going through a rough patch, was going through burnout, maybe a little bit of mild depression, just not feeling myself. And I'm feeling much better. So thank you for all of you who um, prayed for me. I know many of you prayed and, and I thank you for that. But one reader, this was super sweet, sent me a bunch of her favorite Bible verses, which I have been reading and going over. And so I wanted to extend that to you because I know especially with all the things that have been happening and a lot of us try to limit the amount of exposure that we actually see to the news and social media and that type of thing. But it seems that no matter where you turn, you're going to see it in some shape or form. A lot of things about fear and especially with this pandemic and other things that are going on. And so as a Christian, I find a lot of comfort and solace in the scriptures and in my relationship with Jesus, when I remember uh, not to let my emotions get a hold of me and to keep my sights on him. So if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I highly encourage you. You can message me. You can email me. Um, there's so many resources online, but to find out more. And I wanted to share with you this verse, which has brought me a lot of comfort. And it is from Psalms 42. Verse 8, and this is the Amplified Translation of the Bible. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And I love this because I don't know about you, but oftentimes during the day, I can just keep trucking on through and I'm doing, you know, doing good. Sometimes I'll have moments, I think we all do. But man, When night falls, like you wake up in the middle of the night or you can't go to sleep and all the things throughout the day suddenly come rushing back into your mind and all the things you didn't do or you should have done. Like night is always worse for me when it comes to worrying or stewing about something. So I love this, that God is with us all the time in the night, in the day, and that his songs are with us. And so I find myself singing snippets or even praying snippets or recalling snippets just silently in my head from some of my favorite songs or remembering verses, which is why it's so key that you read the Bible for yourself so that you do have the verses there to call back on when you need them. And they have never, ever failed to comfort me. Actually, the entire Psalms is a great place to go for solace and encouragement. But Psalms 42 is a great one if you are dealing with depression or struggling, you know, with emotions that way. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And I can't wait to be here with you next week when we're going to talk about organic ways that you can help keeping your vegetable garden free of pests and disease. So until then, blessings and mason jars. Mm-hmm.